everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rossi, and with me this week is my fantastic co-host, Ann Stickney. And say hi to everybody. Hi. So uh, I'm going to do that thing where I ask you what you've been doing this week in the game. What have you been doing this week in the game? I got a mount from Darkshore, finally. I'm so happy. It did not break... I was hoping that maybe it would be... You know how I had that luck streak going into, like... Yeah, yeah, you got every mount. Okay, yeah, I had that... Well, there's still one mount that I'm missing from Arathi, and it won't drop, but... um... Here's my thing. Here's what I I think you're not doing enough of. You're not rubbing it in Mitch's face enough, because it was when Mitch was trying to get all those mounts, and you were like, hey, Mitch, I got another mount. That's when mounts were dropping for you. like. We should have him on the show again, just so I can do that. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's how how this works. I am a terrible human being. <laughs> but I got I got the uh I got the cat from Darkshore and I was really happy about that cuz it's a really pretty model. Um I I'm not sure. Well, I don't know. I like the new cat model and at the same time I'm kind of like, "Huh, on the new cat model because there's something about the fluff on the muzzle that I it it transcends cool panther to house cat and i'm not sure if i like the house cat connotations that i get from that model there's some there's two mounts coming into the game that i want really really bad and that's mm-hmm. really kind of pushing me to, to level my tour and horde side um i want the one for doing both alliance and horde war campaign oh yeah yeah i'm looking the forward reason, to I want that the horde one i want the horde one because it's a horde horse yes and it, to me, it is hilarious because it is this to me is the epitome of horde design. A bunch of horde guys got together, saw a horse, and said, "Do we have any rusting scrap metal laying around? Can we put yeah. spikes on it?" Yes, <laughs> yes. I want this thing to have lots of spikes and rusted metal on it. Meanwhile, Remember the, Alliance... the spike vendor from the garrison. <laughs> I miss that guy. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Alliance looked at a, a, a giant warg and said, can we make it look like a kitty? Yeah. No, I, I don't think. Yeah, it needs to look like a kitty. I want it to have gold lion theme stuff on it. it. It's a wolf, sir. You are aware of what a wolf is. They're like kitties. OK, I'm just I'll just go find some kitty armor for it, sir. It's still I'm I'm looking forward to getting those two cuz I I've done the war campaign on both sides so once it pops up I will get Yeah, and they're you know. they're not they're awesome looking mounts. I'm not trying to decry them, but I love how they really do kind of break down the factions along the, the design line. If if I'm not a tremendous fan of the faction storyline all the time, but I love that the factions have a really defined aesthetic and that aesthetic for the horde is spikes and rust. And that, that aesthetic for the Alliance is kitties. <laughs> Just, I don't know why, but this amuses the heck I out of me. I want a kitty! No, it's the kitties and also horses. Because uh, Colteris, if anything, Colteris has, has driven home how much they absolutely love horses. I'm cool with this because I really like the Colteran horse models. I think they're fantastic. So I'm all for getting one of those horse mounts on Horde side. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, and it is a nice horse. Uh, I also got to say this when I I did I didn't expect it when I did the Dark Iron uh, Allied race and got the Dark Iron mount. Yeah, Dark Iron mount is a one-headed corehound. Yeah, and it's fantastic. It is. One of my I love mounts. it. I love it. It's, so anyway, that one. happened, um, and I finished all of the story stuff and got all caught up to date with all of that. Um, 
I am waiting patiently for more story to be revealed because there is more story that hasn't popped up yet and it won't pop up until we are closer to the raid. Um, and that comes in April. I think it's like mid towards the end of April, somewhere in there. I forget the exact date. I want to say the 19th, but I think I'm wrong. Um, and there's more storyline that kind of ties into that stuff that will be popping up. Also, can we talk about cinematics? Because that cinematic that was introduced, oh my gosh. Anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's that's about all I've been into in game because I've had like family visiting from out of town and stuff. So I haven't had a chance to do a lot of gameplay stuff, but I also, I want to like hop in and I want to get started on the Raiding with Leashes achievement because there's a new tier of that out there now that involves Missa Pandaria raids. And I love soloing those things anyway. So yeah, any excuse to go back and do them again, I will go back and do them again. You know what I mean? All right, well, we should probably talk about some top news stories because that is what we do here on the old podcast. Um, first up on the list of stuff, because I, I wrote a list and this is the order I wrote it in. Um, you, I don't know if you guys noticed it yesterday, but Blizzard actually changed the Blizzard store a little bit and that they put toys on it for the first time ever that I'm aware of. I don't remember them ever doing that before. So uh, the toys in question, uh, yeah, you, you saw that, right? Yeah, you were around yesterday for that. Yep, I saw it. The toys in question are the Transmorpher uh, and both Horde and Alliance fireworks for, you know, you can put on the corpse of a dead member of the other faction. Uh, you buy one and you get both faction versions, depending on like which faction you're in. So if you're on your Horde alt, you'll have the Horde ones. And if you're on your Alliance alt, you'll have the Alliance ones. Uh, the Transmorpher was disappointing because I thought at first it was going to be like a portable Transmogger. And I was like, ooh, I got to get that. But it's not. It's just a toy that changes your appearance randomly, I think. It changes you yeah. into one of several different dungeon bosses. Which dungeon is and cool. raid bosses. Yeah, and it's not just you. I think it's anybody that hits it or whatever. It like summons an ethereal that'll change everybody. That's kind of cool, but it's not what I was hoping for. So I'm certainly not going to spend 10 bucks on it. I don't know how you feel about them. Like, what was your reaction? Here's the deal. They introduced these things because part of the proceeds from the sales is going to go to help fund the Arena World Championships and the Mythic Dungeon Invitational stuff, like esports things. So like a portion of the proceeds from these is going to go towards funding that, which is fine and everything. That's okay. At the same time, I don't get the toy thing. Like, Okay, toys have always been this thing that you get in game and they're usually little diddly cosmetic things or whatever. I don't see, I cannot justify paying $10 for a toy. Because the thing is, is like with a mount, oh, you ride the mount around, you get use out of it, whatever. With a pet, you can use the pet for pet battles. It can follow you around if it's super cute. That's fine. A toy is something that I literally right-click so it goes into my toy box. I use it maybe once or twice, and then I never look at it again. Unless I'm, like, super bored waiting for a dungeon start to start or something, and I start pulling out random toys. I never use them regularly. So I don't... They aren't worth the 10 bucks to me. They could have yeah. introduced a lot of other different things that would have made it more worth the money in my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, for me, the Transmorpher is the closest to a toy I'd be interested in, because I do like toys that switch my character around. Like, for instance, I like the Orb of the Cinderai. Uh, I like the Orb of Deception. I like the one that turns you into a, a flame druid, or the one that turns you into one of those 
ice dwarves. Those are all cool. I like them. Um, but I, I don't, I, I think the 10 bucks, it's not too much for a toy or anything. That's not my problem. It's just not, I, I'm okay with spending money on things if I feel like I'll get a lot of use out of them. Or if I know somebody else would like them, like I, I've bought more stuff for my wife than I buy for myself. Cause I know my wife likes mounts. And when a new mount comes out, the, the Fox mount, I'll happily buy it for her. Cause it's a nice gift and she enjoys it. And I'm, I like to make her happy, but I really like that. I don't have to buy them for myself. Like I, I, I can live happily without them. And so I'm okay with this because again, I, I will live happily without it, but I do feel like it's not something that people were looking for. Like I, I mentioned earlier about the transmog hats they took out, and I feel like something transmog related would have been a cosmetic more... item that people could yeah. transmog with. That would have gone over because you could use that fairly regularly if it was something that looked really cool, and especially if it looked really cool and it was kind of indicative of what they were raising money for. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. This thing doesn't really have anything to do. I can kind of get the where other... it's mythic dungeon related. The other toy. Kinda. Yeah, the other toy that they have, the firework toy, that one, it could be used on, like, the corpse of a player of the opposite faction or something like that. So it's kind of related yeah. to PvP. Okay, I get that. But, yeah, I, I, yeah, and I guess maybe it does kind of tie into the whole uh, mythic dungeon and raid invitation, because it's raid bosses and dungeon bosses and things like that. But at the same time, I just, like I said... $10. I wouldn't spend $10 on a thing that I'm going to use like maybe once or twice and then promptly forget about. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just I, I feel don't... I feel like there were be there 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 are better things that they could if they really wanted to make money and fund this thing, they should have put like a pet together or a mount. For me it's more interesting just the idea that they've expanded something they'll put on the store. Yeah, um, and I, I've seen I've already seen people being like, "Oh, this is Activision at work." And I, Blizzard has been doing this kind of stuff in their other games for a long time. Like you know, um, if you look at Overwatch, I mean, I tend I think it tends to be loot boxes over in Overwatch, but they've got all sorts of stuff you can get on. It's their always store. loot boxes. It's you know, yeah. it's always loot boxes or. Um... And what's cool about how WoW does it is that it's never loot boxes. Mm -hmm. I like that it's never random. Like I, if you go in and you buy something, you know exactly what you're getting. Um, so I'm happy with them putting in a toy, even if I wouldn't ever use it. And I want them to put in more stuff. Like I, I'm, I may be unique that way. I, I want there to be more stuff in the store. I just never want to feel like I have to buy it. Like I always want it to feel optional. I like when it feels optional. I like when yeah. it feels like, oh, I can avoid this. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, I'm not saying that it's a bad idea or whatever. I mean, cool. If it's you want to throw it. I'm, it's just not something that I'm going to spend my money on. And I, I, I feel like if they wanted to do what they're saying they're going to do and raise some additional money for the Arena World Championship and the Mythic Dungeon and Invitational, then maybe they should have put something out there that they know is a moneymaker. Because you throw a mount in the mount shop and boom, you're going to have buku bucks out of it you put a pet in there those things have always those things have sold before and traditionally sold well they've never put toys in there before so why would you why i have would to you wonder do... yeah i have to wonder if it's more along the lines of the toy is easier to make i don't know i don't know and the thing is like sigmund freudskyle just pointed out in the chat channel there was the hitching post like that was the first toy that was introduced but the thing is is the hitching post was also it was a bundle wrapped with a mount. Like you got the mount and you got the hitching post. It wasn't 
they weren't just selling the hitching post by itself. So this is the first time we've had a toy being sold just, here's a toy, you can buy it. And yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I, I, I feel like if they really wanted to make some additional bucks for those programs, then maybe they should have introduced something that they knew sold well instead of throwing out something brand new just to see how it does. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. I'm not, yeah. I don't, I don't dispute that. I think there's, there's definitely some merit to that idea. Uh, and but, uh, as far as it goes, if somebody wants to buy it, cool. Somebody can go ahead and buy it. It's cool. It's just, I know for myself personally, it's not worth $10. It just isn't. <laughs> so I'm not going to be picking it up. Okay, but let's move on to talking about something that's interesting to this that's going on right now. Uh, got a lot of new skins and mounts and such coming to Heroes of the Storm for the spring event. Uh, it's kind of got a cyborg feel to it, like it's sort of uh, cyberpunky, which is interesting. Uh, and certainly some of them are really cool. Have you looked at any of them yet? Yeah, I really like the whole, like the techno vandal chromie. That skin in particular, I really, really love because I like how both the horns and the tail, it looks like traditional horns and a tail, but it's got like this overlay on it that looks like, I don't know, it's like some kind of cyberpunk netting overlay thing. It looks neat. It just, it looks neat. I like the texture on it a lot. And I do like the other ones that they've got, like the butcher skin and um, Karazim, but I don't think that any of them really stand out to me as much as the chromey skin does. I do like I that we did the... get a Lucio though. We got a Lucio yeah, skin the, in with all of it. The Lucio speed demon is not too bad. I love the Cyber Oni Zarya. I think it is just beautiful. I think the color scheme is good. It's golden red. There's probably others, but the one I've seen is golden red. Uh, they also have some ones that are just straight up lunar, like the Azure Lunar Sylvanas, Blossom Lunar Sylvanas. Uh, but then there's the Cyber Oni Warbore, the mount, and so forth. There's a lot of stuff going on here, and you know, I think it's tied into the, you know, it's tied into a lot of stuff. I just really the the Techno Vandal Chromie skin is just not one I saw coming. Whereas I the Cyberoni Butcher and so forth, you kind of expected those, but I didn't yeah. expect one for Chromie. Yeah, so yeah I just I really that that Chromie skin is really well put together, and it's probably my favorite out of the bunch. Um, I do really like the uh, Fire Lunar Dragon mount that they came out with too. That one is super pretty because it's just I mean it's it's a dragon. It's a dragon. And I like dragon anything. Um, yeah. The Lunar Guardian I mean, ones are kind of cute too, but I prefer the dragon. <laughs> yeah. I think too, it's worth pointing out, this is a lot of stuff coming from a game people kind of had written off. Yeah. Oh, uh, when, when, when Blizzard made their the... announcement last year, everyone was like, well, I guess that's it for Heroes. But definitely, even if they are coming out with stuff slower, they definitely are still coming out with like a good chunk of stuff. I forgot about the one that I really, really, the other one I really, really liked. Um, Oriel has the um, Azure Sakura. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the with the wings one, yeah. that have the cherry blossoms all over. I love that one. That one's just like the aesthetic on that. That model, she's just really pretty to begin with. And anything that they do to her just looks amazing. So, yeah, I really love that one, too. I think Chromie and her, those are my two favorites out of the bunch. Yeah, so I mean, you should give it a look. Um, the the skins are interesting. They're reasonably a lot of them are really well done. Uh, so yeah, that's more stuff for heroes is always good. If you like Heroes of the Storm, there you go. Um, another thing we wanted to mention. Uh, this is going on. If you're listening to this show live, then this is going on tomorrow. And if you're listening to it recorded, it started yesterday. 
Uh, but they're going to have a free four-day period for World of Warcraft starting Thursday, the 21st, and lasting until Sunday, the 24th. Um, yeah, if you have an inactive account, it's going to be listed as active for four days free of charge. So you can come back to WoW and mess around and see what you've been missing. If you log, if you have let your account go for any reason, you now have four days you can play in. So I, I know a lot of people who will be getting inundated by can I have your stuff requests, so keep that in mind. But uh, what do you think about that one, Anne? I think that one's pretty cool. It's the way that they're doing it. I think the way that they're doing it, isn't it like, isn't it? Yeah. It's like lapsed players can return, but I was going to say, aren't the people that are like already playing for free on the limited accounts or whatever, they get their restrictions lifted or something or no? Yeah, it it's literally be... like if you have an inactive account, it gets flagged as active. Yeah. I'm not 100% that if you're on a, a trial account, you can play for free, but I'm pretty sure that's it. It doesn't say that. It. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think that's the case. But yeah, it's anybody who's got an inactive account, it's being lifted. And honestly... I'm cool with it. There's been a lot that's been happening in Battle for Azeroth, and it's a really good expansion. I, I know a lot of people are kind of dogging it for various reasons, and I understand why they are. There's always things to criticize in every expansion, but I've seen way, way worse out of the Warcraft team. <laughs> this is, this uh, is yeah. story-wise, this one is knocking it out of the park. There's like all these little elements and things that are being brought together, and the little side quests and, and side storylines that they've got going on are slowly working together into one major thing, and I'm just, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes, so. I think I'm on record as being about as negative about Azerite armor as you can get. Oh, like, yeah. I do not it's think terrible. this is a good system. It's terrible. Yeah, I do not but, like it. But I, I like the expansion. Know, I, I like playing in it. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff they did. Like I think I wrote a piece a little while back about Ludo narrative dissonance. I'm not going to go into too much about that. But I think in a lot of ways, the storytelling has rat ratcheted up a lot faster than gameplay design has. Like the, the storytelling has gotten better and better and better. And sometimes the gameplay design has sort of stayed the same. Like it hasn't advanced the way that the storytelling did. So you get to a point where you're, you're dealing with something like Azerite armor, which is needlessly complicated, or mission table, which doesn't really feel like it adds a lot of actual gameplay to itself. Don't get me started on the mission table, but yes, go ahead. You have those things, and they, they sort of detract. And then I think people kind of, I don't want to say overreacted, but they fixate. And there's there is, I think there were a lot of decisions when the game first came out. Like the, the way that they handled weapon drops... Uh, the way that they held back the uh, Kul'Tiran and Zandalari allied races, uh, that one makes sense, but at the same time, it felt really strange. It sort of made it feel like the Kul'Tirans and the Zandalari were Odin, continuously making you prove yourself to them until they'd finally help. It's like, yeah. man, I've been doing stuff on your islands for months now. Would you please get off your purple butts and help? I'm, I'm assuming Kul'Tirans also have purple butts. I don't <laughs> I have no evidence for this, <laughs> I just realized that I don't want to know, but anyway, we have colored butts because they're all bodies are colored, but Kul'Tirans probably don't. <laughs> okay, maybe they're due. Uh, maybe it's cold out there. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> yeah, moving on as fast as humanly possible. My point, just I really do feel like in terms of storytelling, this expansion has it's been getting more and more interesting this whole time, and the stuff that's coming out soon, uh, leading into the uh, Crucible raid crystal storms is gonna 
the complexity of the storytelling is what's really fascinating to me, just how layered it is. Mitch wrote an article yesterday about Sylvanas's grand plan, and it's on the site if you want to read it. Uh, and I think he made a good point in that there's layers and layers and layers going on where you could look at this and say it could be this thing. Or you could look at it and say, no, no, it's obviously this thing. I mean, and I think the last w lore watch that just came out on Monday, we talked about some of the stuff that was going on and character wise, the stuff that's going on with the different characters and things. And we had we had a lengthy discussion about Sylvanas where we were talking about Sylvanas and her character. Um there's more going on here than people are. I mean, if you just give it a passing glance, does it look like prior storylines? Yeah, at passing glance it does. But when you're actually playing through it, and if you're paying attention and watching where things are going, this is a different story. This is a really different story. And I feel like, you know, it, it, it's it's like I said before, there's there's kind of um there's there's a pattern that they're slowly establishing with this kind of stuff now and they started it in warlords and they did talk about it when they were initially starting to do it but it's like missa pandaria had that really lengthy chunk of story where a lot happened and then warlords was kind of the interim in between that and legion and legion had this giant chunk of story and in theory if that pattern is being established still battle for azeroth is one of those interim like those stepping stones to another longer, more convoluted expansion. If that's the case, this is probably the best told interim story I've ever seen. Like it, it's, there's a lot going on here, but I feel like none of it's going to be resolved or not all of it. There's going to be a giant portion of it that just isn't resolved at the end of this expansion, but it's going to lead us straight into the next one. And the next one's going to completely blow our socks off. Definitely feels like we're we're building to something. I yeah. I when agree with you when there. it comes to World of Warcraft, the storytelling is not the problem right now. There yeah. are various mechanic things that are not working the way that they should, but the storytelling is not a problem right now. There's a lot going on. Anyway. Yeah. Speaking I, of mechanical stuff, uh, mm -hmm. one of the things I I wanted to talk about because they did a post. Uh, I think it was Kaivax did a post on the forums yesterday talking about how they're going to implement Alterac Valley in WoW Classic. And it's fascinating to me because I, I don't know if I said it properly when I wrote about it, but it's not that it's impossible to satisfy everyone with how WoW Classic goes. It's just that WoW Classic is by definition going to be a snapshot of how WoW was when it came out. Yeah. It can't, it can't be the whole thing because the whole thing was out for two years and some months and it changed a lot. The, 1.1 of of World of Warcraft didn't even have Battlegrounds in it. Like Battlegrounds didn't no. come out till 1.5 in June of 2005. And it was really funny because I remember I remember very vividly when this happened. When they introduced the whole PVP system, it was a big thing and the way that it worked was you killed some you killed people, you got honor points for killing people. If you killed an NPC, you got um Oh, what it was like, dishonorable something or other. I don't if know. They were it, like, it was a ding. If they were like, they were civilians or something. Yeah. You could kill guards and stuff. But it that would drop fine. your. It would drop your. It would like tank you almost immediately. You would tank. So people would invite people into groups and then deliberately kill NPCs or whatever. <laughs> well, it's like... there was. But but the thing is, is like PVP during that point in time because it was 
solely based on killing other players because it was based solely on that and there was no real outlet for it that's where stuff like Terran Mill versus South Shore first came into play that's where stuff like people terrorizing the crossroads first came into play was because there wasn't really any other way to do it you wanted to attract the attention of the other faction so that you could you know fight and do the PvP stuff but you didn't want to like run into the capital city because if you run into the capital city you're going to die right away so you'd go find these little locations where people were leveling or where people where it was kind of like out of the way or whatever and then just bother everyone incessantly to the point where people were felt like they needed to go respond and they would go respond yeah. and that's because... that's where stuff like that came from and i remember before the ladder system was introduced they had a contest and the contest was literally whoever has the most points at the end on each server they get like a special thing I was friends with the guy who won on the Horde side on my server. And all he did all day, he would wake up, he'd go to Terran Mill, and he'd just farm people. And he could do it because he was a Forsaken Shadow Priest and they were so OP at the time. So he did this. And he kept doing this and kept doing this and kept doing this. And you could do it solo and do it remarkably well. You didn't have to be in a group to do any of this stuff. Um, and you didn't have to have necessarily amazing gear or anything. PvP gear didn't exist at that point. You just had to be really good at killing people and getting away alive and, and you know yeah. not letting them was... kill you so he he won this contest they gave him a tabard that's what yeah, they the, got the, they got tabards the ugly, tabard. the ugly tabard that says wow on it that you get now yeah. from is it the anniversary tabard i think it's the anniversary tabard actually looks, has that appearance yeah okay it's the same look he was really disappointed because he just got this tabard that wasn't even like a pretty tabard and then they came out with the honor system and the way that the initial honor system worked and the initial battlegrounds worked were if you were in a raid guild he was not and you were working together he was a solo player you would stomp anybody you could stomp anybody so yeah, um, he went the... from being the top-ranked person on the server by that one set of expectations to not even being a blip on the radar because he wasn't in a group. And he was so disappointed that he stopped playing the game. And yeah, I, and it's, it's yeah. weird because it's like we're talking about the Tara Mill stuff, and that's like before they even put Battlegrounds in. And when they put Battlegrounds in, for the first three or four months, the latter system was people playing the game in shifts yeah like you you'd have a character and you and your friends would be like all right we're gonna boost we're gonna boost jim to to like you know rank one first or rank, i forget what the rank numbers were but we're gonna boost jim first and then jane's gonna get boosted and then we're gonna boost paul and you guys would play jim's character in shifts like jim would play for six hours and he's like i gotta go to work until and so he got he, high warlord or grand marshal yeah. and then you would and, flip to another player and you do that constantly. And there were Alterac Valley matches that I am not exaggerating to say went on for days. Yeah, you would go in, you would go in on Friday and you would play until you were tired of playing and then you'd leave and somebody else would invariably replace you and you could come back like on Sunday afternoon and the same game would still be going on. Because it wasn't like <laughs> people look at it now, the way it is now in Alterac Valley there's reinforcements and if you kill enough people, your side will win. You don't have to kill, like, Vandar or Drek'thar. You can just, if you kill enough of the other team, you'll win. That didn't happen. No, you had the to kill the boss to beat win. the thing. Yeah. And 
because people were leaving and other people were coming in fresh, there was constantly standoffs going on. Plus, the layout wasn't the same as it is today. And they, there they were a lot the, more NPCs. There was a lot more NPCs. There was a lot more things that you could do and tricky things you could do. And there were a lot more choke points where people were constantly fighting back and forth. You couldn't just run to the boss and kill him and win. That was kind of like an impossibility. And that's why these games stretched on for so long. But I the, love talking about things, old school vanilla stuff, yeah. man. <laughs> one, one of the things that they talked that Kaivax talked about in the post was that they're using the patch 1.12 version of Alterac Valley, which had already been changed pretty significantly by that time. Yeah. They moved the Alliance graveyard um, because the Horde graveyard was in a better place. Apparently, like that's what people would are arguing. They um, they altered the position of various NPCs and took a few of them out. Like, for instance, Korak the Blood Rager, who used to hang out in the graveyard, kind of called the Plains of Strife, which is kind of near the dead center of the, the BG. Yeah. They're, they, he's just gone. They took him out because he, when they first put Korak in, in, in patch 1.5, he was a joke. He, you could curb stomp him. One guy could just come in and kill him. So then they buffed him. And they buffed the heck out of him. So no longer could you just go in and kill him. In fact, it took a no. sizable chunk of the battleground to take him out. Yeah. And what people would do instead was a paladin would ride through on their mount and get his attention and let him get this, let himself get dismounted and then bubble so that Korak is hitting him and therefore not hurting him yet. And everybody him, else could get yeah. away. And they would try to get the, they try to click the graveyard before Korak came back. And so eventually Blizzard realized this isn't doing anything. It's not gameplay anymore. It's just, it's something people have to do tricks to get around and they are doing the tricks. So they took him out and they took out a lot of the NPCs to make it, you know, go faster. So if you were doing AV, like in the summer of 2005, it was wildly different than if you were doing AV in the summer of 2006, when patch 1.12 went out, it was a completely different experience. And that's the problem and the opportunity of WoW Classic. That's how WoW Classic is going to be about everything. It's not going to be, you know, the way you, the game, people forget this because they look back at Classic and they tell stories about Classic, but Classic didn't stay the same. No. It, it, it changed constantly. They put in patches. They fixed bugs. I'm never going to forget the, the, the gates of Encourage. Oh. Never going to forget that. I got on a boat and then I was in the Stone Talon Mountains on a boat. <laughs> I just remember I just remember being there when they hit the gong on my server and they hit the gong and then I dropped to like two frames a second and disconnected along with everybody else on the server. <laughs> I remember at least one time on that during that whole event where all those guys were coming out, I died and I rezzed in Westfall. Like the graveyard that they sent me to was in Westfall. And it yeah. was like what? Why am I in from Westfall? From Silithus, yeah. Yes, from Silithus. It was just stuff like that happened constantly. So you're not going to, hopefully you're not going to get bugs like that. That's but Well, and the they said those... that, that, that what they're going to do with AV is they're going to use the 1.12 version of Alterac Valley, which is the final one that was there and available before Burning Crusade came out. That's just Alterac Valley. Other portions of the game are going to be using earlier patches. They're going to roll out things in a specific kind of way. You aren't going to have like Maradon and Dire Maul right at the onset, that kind of thing. It's just for the purposes of Alterac Valley. The initial, the initial designs of Alterac Valley were so far removed 
And so it evolved quickly. It it evolved very quickly. Keep in mind too, that, you know, when you're looking at, when you're looking at the original iteration of World of Warcraft, we had, you know, 1.0, that's World of Warcraft, 2.0, that's Burning Crusade, right? We had, it was at, was it, it was 1.12. Yeah, there were 12 patches. There were 12 patches that went on just in that first expansion, which is yeah. more than you get nowadays. And it's because they were continually rolling out little fi- fixes and tweaks and this, that, the other, yeah, changing like things, there was adding new content. Doing, you know, balance passes for for classes that didn't maybe quite play the way they wanted. There was a lot of tweaking going on throughout Classic. And as far as Alterac Valley goes, while I have fond memories of those weekend-long AV matches, I'm kind of okay with them not making a return. (laughs) I mean, if if that's what people really wanted, I... I can understand being a little disappointed, but they're going to have to make decisions like this throughout WoW Classic. They're going to have to pick, this is the quintessential version of X, whatever X is. Because, for instance, Dire Maul is radically different now than it was back then, but Dire Maul changed changed while it was out in vanilla. It changed twice. They they linked up dungeons. They they moved book locations. They're going to have to pick which version of that to give you. They're going to have to pick, okay, how do we want to do, like, you know, how do we want to do deal with Nax? How do, like, you know, there are certain things about Nax that they're going to have to decide on. They're going to have to do that with a lot of stuff. They also, so, I know that one of the things that they were looking at was the release schedule for world bosses. Um, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. world bosses have certain gear and recipes and stuff that were basically introduced to kind of help people along with certain raids and things like, you know, like the green dragons, when the green dragons came out, oh, yeah. they had a bunch yeah. of nature resist. Oh, you needed that for AQ. Oh yeah. You absolutely. You wouldn't get that to run. Forget yeah. it. You needed. Yeah. So, so it was just, I understand why they're doing this and I don't, I don't necessarily think that it's like a bad idea or anything. I know that there are probably going to be some people who are like, we want it exactly the same, but in some cases, exactly the same isn't very good it really isn't very good so i'm glad that that they're like looking at these things and making these kinds of decisions yeah and it's it's not even just that it's not good or that it's bad or whatever exactly the same isn't possible because it it didn't stay exactly the same you you can't i can't give you an authentic alterac valley because your Alterac Valley may not be my Alterac Valley. I refused to play Alterac Valley when it was full on ladder and no changes. And it was like three days long because I had other things to do with my life. I Once spent, I we, we did, know. we did Warsong Gulch more than we did Alterac Valley. And I was at that point, I was in a PVP guild and we were doing the thing that you mentioned where we had like certain members and we were trying to like boost them through so that they could get High Warlord or Grand Marshal. Um, in my mm-hmm. case, it was High Warlord because yeah. I was playing Horde at the time. And we ended up, we did pretty much statistically, all we did was Warsong Gulch, and it was because the matches were so fast. Yeah, you could get in, you could get out. Yeah, you, we rarely you, did Alterac. Alterac Valley was less effective. Alterac Valley was less effective, and it didn't move you as far on that ladder because the win, you wouldn't be getting the wins for the battlegrounds because it just kept going. So yeah, when people were doing it, they typically, I don't know, he'd still go into Alterac Valley and farm the heck out of it, but we weren't usually there helping him with Alterac Valley. We were mostly there as like the Warsong Gulch squad, 
and occasionally the Arathi Basin Squad, but mostly the Warsong Gulch Squad because that was Warsong Gulch was the fastest one. It yeah, was, you, you know very quickly. Are we gonna? Is this gonna be one of the rare Warsongs where it's not gonna end, or is it gonna be the average Warsong where one team gets ahead and just crushes the other team? Yeah, and it was especially back in Vanilla, especially Horde had an advantage in Warsong Gulch because they had shamans, and shamans had Windfury. And Wind Fury on a Sulphurus was nightmare mode. Like people would just die. <laughs> it was, so Warsong, it, it was something that you really felt in Warsong. You didn't feel in other in other battlegrounds. It balanced out more. But Warsong, when everyone's making a push, you definitely felt Wind Fury Toad. Okay, we've like, been oh. talking about this super lot, so I kind of yeah. We should to, move on. Yeah, I yep. was gonna say I wanted to touch on before we do any emails or anything like that. I did want to oh. briefly talk about Overwatch League. Okay. Because we've got the playoff standings in place for the end of stage one. Um, top eight teams will be duking it out starting, well, okay, it is Wednesday when we're recording. The quarterfinals of stage one are going to begin tomorrow, Thursday, March 21st. If you are listening to the recorded version of the show, they started yesterday and you should go check them out. Um, anyway, they're going to keep going. Tw- on March 23rd, the semifinal games will be aired on ABC which I think is fantastic. Um, and the teams are competing for a grand prize of $200,000 and a runner-up prize of $100,000. The eight teams that are in contention right now are the Titans, the Excelsior, Fusion, Defiant, Rain, Shock, Dynasty, and Uprising. I am really excited that out of all of those teams that are listed there, we've got Rain and the Titans. Titans are sitting up at first place right now. And those those guys, they're a brand new team. The Vancouver Titans were just introduced this year, and they ha- they're undefeated. Um, right behind them is the Excelsior, who are also undefeated. The Titans managed to squeak by by map count, <laughs> map count victories. They managed to just squeak ahead of New York. But yeah, um, I'm really excited to see how this all plays out. Uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. So, yeah, if you're interested in seeing all of that stuff, keep your eye out. One question or... I want to ask about that. Mm-hmm. Didn't like didn't two of the teams settle their placement with a coin toss? Yes, they did. Yeah. Um, so here's what's going on. They there were four teams there were two teams that were tied for third place and there were two teams that were tied for sixth place. And they wanted to do tiebreakers. San Francisco and Seoul Dynasty, they were playing an off-stream match to determine which team will take the sixth and seventh seeds. And then Philadelphia Fusion and Toronto Defiant, they did a coin flip. They they specifically did a coin flip. The whole reason I think that uh, San Francisco and Seoul are doing the playoff thing is because those guys are going to be seeded against the top teams in the bracket. So they don't want to leave it up to a coin flip. They're hoping that they can win and choose who they go up against because whoever they go up against is going to be one of the best teams there. Whereas right now, Philadelphia and Toronto are right in the middle. So it doesn't really matter so much who they're going to be playing against because they're going to be playing against somebody who's ranked pretty similarly to where they're at. So they're willing to leave it up to a coin flip because they would rather do the coin flip, have it decided immediately, and then they can go work on their strats. And that makes total sense. It makes total sense. Um, So yeah, all of that stuff is going down starting tomorrow, which is Thursday. And like I said, if you're listening to this on Friday, it's already already happening. Uh, Yeah, that starts at 8pm Central on Thursday and 
the first two matches of the bracket will be played. The quarterfinals will continue on March 22nd, and on 23rd, that's the, on the 23rd, that's when the semifinal games they'll be aired on ABC and they'll begin at 2 p.m. Central, and you can check those out. I'm very excited. I'm really happy that that two of the brand new teams made it. Like, especially man, Vancouver. Who would have thought? <laughs> but they've just dominated. It's pretty great. Okay. Alrighty. Uh, before we move on to emails, um, which means we may only get one or two emails in, but I feel like we should mention that the new Hearthstone expansion has been announced. Uh, it's called Rise of the Shadows, and it's it's been described as kind of like if instead we got instead of uh, Battle for Azeroth, we got every bad guy ever just attacking all at once. So it's it's interesting. It, it's it it's feels the League very of much... Evil, and it's a bunch of united yeah. villains who are invading Dalaran, which I think is pretty entertaining. Yeah, it it sort of feels almost Overwatchy, like in terms of like how it's 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 every bad guy attacking at once. It does kind of have a it's I don't know. It feels like it, this honestly feels like World of Warcraft the animated series to me. Like if we got a a GI Joe style cartoon in the WoW universe, yeah, it would be like this, which is kind of it works for Hearthstone because Hearthstone's always kind of felt a little cartoony, and that's fine. Uh, it looks interesting. The cards are, are weird. Like twin spell is going to happen. Yeah, that's, there are the there are new keywords. There are lackeys. There are schemes, and there's twin spell. Twin spell is really interesting because when you cast that spell, you get a copy of the spell without the twin spell keyword added to your hand, which is something yeah. kind of new and different. Um, lackeys are one mana, one one minions. Uh, They've got battle cries. They aren't cards themselves. They're created by other evil cards. So. There are extra things that you can throw in there. And then the schemes. Schemes are spells that become more powerful each turn that they're in your hands. The longer you're holding them, the more powerful they get. And I yeah, find so that kind of interesting, up. too. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of little interesting things that they're doing with it. Um, I'm also really excited that they added a Chef Nomi card. <laughs> Just because I think he needed to be a card. Uh, he will summon 666 grease fire elementals if your deck is empty <laughs> see I, I i feel you're confusing excited by and terrified by because that's the motion i would feel i no think it's showing. great i think it's great i can't wait to see him in play <laughs> but yeah um that one that one's available when is that one available i, I did they give us a release date for it there's a trailer for it. I don't know if there's an actual release I believe date. it's April 9th, if I remember. Yeah, it's April 9th, and it comes with 135 new cards, and you'll get, you know, all the other stuff. You can pre-order 50 packs of Rise of the Shadows and a special card back, and a random legendary card for $50, but uh, for $80, you can get 80 packs, card back, random legendary, and you also get a Madame Lazul Priest Hero. Uh, it's not, I mean, it's not cheap. Hearthstone's not cheap. <laughs> No, it's, it's true. just Our not. not. It's not cheap, but this actually looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And if you haven't seen the announcement trailer with Dave Kosak, oh god, go check it out. <laughs> He's just a hoot to watch in everything that he does. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's that covers it for news for for right now. I think uh, we should move on. And try and do at least one email. Uh, we 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 talked a lot, but. If you've ever listened to this show, you know we talk a lot, so you can't be that surprised. Um, if you have an email, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for the show. Uh, and I guess pick one and see how far we get. You know what? We haven't talked about Diablo in a hot minute, so I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> 
<laughs> Mostly because I want to hear you talk about Diablo. Uh, this one is from Davis, who says, Hey, Frosty folks, my question is about Anaris, the angel who helped make sanctuary with the World Stone. What happened to him? I know he's not around anymore, but why? All I know about him is the stuff from the lore books when you're doing Reaper of Souls. I'd like to know why he's not around. Love the show, Davis. Rossi, this is oh, all you. Oh. Uh, okay. Um, this is sort of tied into the, the Sin Wars books. Um, so if you haven't read those books, I'll give you as as How quick many of those are there? As I can. It's a trilogy. It's a trilogy. Uh, okay. Knack, you know, Knack wrote them, and there's a trilogy of them. Okay. Uh, basically, when when Sanctuary was first created, Anarius and Lilith teamed up. They were he was an angel. He was very like he was in with the uh, the Angelus Council. Sometimes he's called an archangel. Sometimes he's not. I don't think he's actually an archangel, but he was up there. They all respected him. He was buddies with Tyrael. And uh, Lilith was the daughter of Mephisto. We don't know who who he had daughter, why he had a daughter and a son in the first place. We don't know where they came from, but daughter of Mephisto. Uh, she was feeling like this war was never going to end, and he was feeling much the same. So they they met. She didn't kill him. They had a conversation, and they figured out we both feel the same way. Let's get out of here. Let's. I don't want to be involved in this eternal conflict anymore. Each of them, you know, co- convinced other angels and demons to go with them. They went to the Pandemonium Fortress and stole the World Stone out from under the angels and demons, you know, grasp. Took it and and absconded to a, a plane that they created using it, which meant that they couldn't be found. They used the World Stone to basically the, one of the things you could do with the World Stone is define the nature of the world you were creating, and the nature of Sanctuary was such that they couldn't be found. So they created uh, Sanctuary. And then yeah, named they, it very appropriately. That's literally why they named it that. It was to be their sanctuary. Uh, once they got there, I guess they were bored because they started knocking boots. And soon we have a whole host of half angel, half were demon Were they bored or did they fall in love? Uh, at least some of them didn't fall in love. But, you eh. know, Anarius, Anarius and Lilith have a very interesting relationship where you can see signs of them actually having real feelings for each other. And yet at the same time, they're both utterly pragmatic and willing to do whatever they have to for their own aims. So it's fascinating. They're, they're interesting characters, but I don't have time for all that. It's like uh, Romeo and Juliet with an agenda. Uh, kind of, or, or more like, I'm trying to think of a better example. It's like if you ever watched the play The Lion in Winter, yes. where H- Henry and, and Catherine are, are like, they're at each other. But at the mm-hmm. same time, Eleanor of, Eleanor of Aquitaine and Henry, sorry, they're at each other. But at the same time, they they enjoy it. Yeah. They enjoy the sparring. They, they enjoy each other. They, they'll be disappointed when one of them eventually wins. It was kind of like that. Yeah. Um, Lilith had a plan the whole time. She knew she wanted to see what the Nephilim could do. She thought that if angel and demon had children, they'd be very powerful. Um, and she was right. So when the angels and demons were like, Oh, these kids are going to attract the attention of heaven and hell. They're way too strong. We got to get rid of them. She killed them. So they couldn't do that. And Anarius, when presented with this, had the power of the World Stone at his draw, so he could he could take even her out, but he couldn't bear to kill her, so he banished her. This left him alone on Sanctuary with all these half angel, half demon babies who were more pow- who were going to be more powerful than he was. But he had the World Stone, so he used the World Stone to alter Sanctuary so that the Nephilim turned into just humans. Over time, they lost their enormous power and just became humans. The, Except the very for first, some of them. The very first born Nephilim didn't lose their powers, but they kind of like faded out. They they went to other places, other parts of reality. For instance, Rothma, Rothma the, head, the guy the priest of Rothma is named after, 
he was the firstborn, the very firstborn child of, of Narius and Lilith themselves. And he kind of made friends with a dragon named Tragul, and it's a big deal. But get, we got to skip this to get to Anarius. Um, after a while, the, the, the World Stone stopped being able to suppress the Nephilim. They were that powerful. It, it could, the World Stone itself, the Eye of Anu, was no longer able to keep their powers from working. And they started re- returning to the world. A farmer's son named, um, you know, uh, I want to say Uldesian Queldroma, he began displaying the ancient Nephilim powers. He got in a fight with uh, Bulkathos himself and didn't lose. Uh, which yeah. is a big deal because Bulkathos is the guy who founded the Barbarians. He's one of the ancient Nephilim. Fighting Bulkathos and living is a big deal. Uh, he did more than live. He actually impressed him. It was kind of uh, like defeating a god. Yeah, uh, or at least getting the god to say, hey, you're not bad. Um, so after a while, Odysseus created a, a group and went through and stopped Lilith from returning to Sanctuary and then defeated – he defeated – um. Oh, bloody heck, I can't remember his name. We were just talking about Anarius. Uh, he defeated Anarius mm-hmm. and the shadow religion that Anarius had created because Anarius had created a religion to cult to counter the religion that the, the, the demons had created. They created a triune religion where each of the prime evils was treated as kind of like a heroic figure. Like they instead of the Lord of Terror, he was the Lord of Bravery and so forth. Um, Odysseus beat both groups, but in doing so, he attracted the attention of the heavenly host, the Angerus Council. Uh, the Angerus Council came to Sanctuary and were like, we're going to destroy humanity because they're disgusting. They are like demon-angel hybrids that can't be. Ew, how be could you do this? Yeah. yeah. Um, but Odysseus sacrificed himself and prevented the World Stone. He basically fixed, he reset the World Stone so it could again suppress the Nephilim powers. In doing this, he impressed Tyrael. And so when Inarius, uh, when, when, when uh, Imperius came and said, okay, we're going to kill them all, right? We, we voted and they had, well, let's vote again and make sure. And then just, we'll just kill them all. He lost the vote because Tyrael turned his vote away and said, no, we're not going to kill them all. Um, this of course led to the split between Imperius and Tyrael, but it still left them with Inarius to deal with. And they didn't know what to do with him. They're like, we didn't actually ever have any rules about this because we didn't think anybody would do this. What do we do with him? And Mephisto and, at this point cleared his throat and went, <clears throat> why don't you give him to us? And everyone turned and looked at Mephisto. And he's like going, or we could go to war. I mean, if you guys want to go to war in this plane, we could do that. Or you could give him to us. Cause he banished my daughter to another dimension. And I want to talk to him about that. Yeah. So the Angerus council thought about it. Imperius was like, I'm okay. with going to a war here. And everyone else was like, that would defeat the entire purpose of not killing everybody. And he goes, yes, I'm aware of that. And because Malthiel was abstaining, at this time, Malthiel was like, I'm not voting. I'm the Archangel of Wisdom, and I'm not taking part. You guys decide without me. Nothing here this... is wise. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I'm, I'm out. They ultimately decided, all right, we'll let, we'll let Mephisto take Anarius. And that's the last anybody has ever seen of Anarius. He went to hell, and that's the last anybody ever heard of him. That was thousands of years ago. We don't know what happened to him after that. Other than it probably wasn't really pleasant. If they come out with a Diablo 4, do you think this is one of those plot points they might pull in? The thing is, is I would have said no, except in Reaper of Souls, they bring it up in Yeah, game. yeah. It's like they actually have both Lilith and um, 
Inarius in those book entries. And do you remember that the Diablo comic that didn't come out last year, but that they were going to do, that they yes. actually had covers for and everything? Yes. Lilith was on the cover of it. And since we have the we have the Nephilim returning and we have Lilith possibly returning, you'd think Inarius would definitely make an appearance. Inarius is really important. He's the father of the Nephilim. He's the guy that made Sanctuary. He's the guy that banished Lilith in the first place. He's the guy who's the reason the World Stone was under Mount Ariat in the first place. He's the one that put it there. And the so, thing is, is like when we ended Reaper of Souls, we ended at a point where Tyrael realized, whoa, the Nephilim are super powerful. And that was a problem that Inarius was dealing with initially. Yeah. That's exactly why Inarius. So did it all kind of ties back together. I'm just wondering, like, if we see a Diablo four, is that it? Logically speaking, it seems like that's the direction that it would be going in. If nothing else, the fact that they've mentioned it in Diablo three, the fact that it looks like they're they're bringing in characters like Lilith and so forth, or at least thinking about it, yeah, implies to me that Inarius would be a safe bet, and especially since we have no idea what happened to him. Yeah, all we know is that Mephisto took him, and then. Here's the thing. Mephisto took him, and now Mephisto banished himself to Sanctuary for hundreds of years, which means he wasn't in the Hells to torture Anarius or whatever he was doing to him. So for all we know, Anarius has been sitting in a dusty corner of Hell for the past thousand years or so. Just hanging out. Yeah. We don't know what's what's been going on <laughs> with that guy. So Maybe he tried to take over while Mephisto was gone. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Maybe he succeeded. Oh. I mean, you know... We, really don't know that's the thing so yeah that's that's what's going on with anarius we have no idea okay that's but he's not around because at the end of the sin war mephisto was like technically he's my son-in-law huh and he banished my daughter to another dimension yeah give him to me maybe we need to have a long lengthy chat about that yeah yeah i'm really keen on seeing more diablo 4 information i know that they I mean, they mentioned that they're not just working on this mobile game that they're coming out with. They are working on, like, an actual sequel. And I'm hoping that this is kind of some of the stuff that they bring up. Don't get me wrong. I'm looking forward to the mobile game. And I know that there are a lot of mixed opinions about that one. But just the time, the the the, the, the like timeline of where that game takes place, it, it's a point in Diablo's history that I'm interested in seeing expanded further. Oh yeah, lore-wise, I'm down for that mobile game. Tonight. Yeah, and I don't know how much the mobile game is really going to do that, but I'm hoping that it's enough where it's, you know, it's a satisfying game to play. I, I feel like it's going to be, but that's just me being hopeful. <laughs> and I'm going to co continue to be hopeful on that front until they prove otherwise to me, at which point I'll probably be very disappointed, but... Let's just let's just hope that it's as cool as it sounds, because the the concept behind it and the time period behind it, it, it's a period that we just we really don't know anything about. There's no stories. There's no nothing. So yeah, yeah, it's very vague things. They, there's a few places. There's characters that were mentioned in one or two Diablo books that we'll we'll finally get to see what they did. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, there's there's lots of stuff that they're gonna do that I'm interested in, but. Uh, I guess that pretty much does it for emails, though, huh? Yeah, I mean, we only got to the one email, and I really apologize for that, folks, but we had a lot of news this week, and all of the emails that we do have, we will be carrying over to next week, so there is that. 
Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Anne. Uh, guys, again, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch, um, the subject line podcast at blizzardwatch so we know it's for this show. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here, and we'll be here next week.